Hey, listeners of the Sweat Elite podcast, Matt here again. I'm doing this intro once again from Valencia in Spain because I just spent two days up at Girona visiting Freddie Obet, son of Steve. If you haven't checked out the episode that was published just yesterday, all about Freddie Obet's upbringing, converting from being a distance runner in his teenage years to being a pro cyclist, go and check that out. It's very interesting. We talk a lot about the legendary Steve Obet, who's Freddie's dad, obviously, and uh, what it was like for Freddie to be training under him and some stories about Steve himself. And as mentioned in the previous podcast episode, I was actually trained by Steve Ovet for a few years, joined Freddie in his training, so we share a lot of stories about that. This podcast episode, though, also with Freddie Ovet, is all about distance running in 2020. So we discuss what may happen next year. There are rumors around. There's obviously nothing confirmed, but we talk about the possibility of Kipchoge against Bikili and also maybe against Kemawar. Um, we discuss where Farah may sit into all that, although I might point out that between recording the podcast episode with Freddie and doing this intro right now, which is only 24 hours, Farah actually announced that he'll be running the 10K next year at the Tokyo Olympics. So it sounds like Farah may not be in contention for the marathon next year, but we will see. He didn't give a full clarification about the whole year. He basically said he will be doing Tokyo 10K or at least aiming to qualify for um, we talk about all distance running events from 800 meters through to the marathon. Who are the favorites? We talk about the training of some of the favorites as well. The Ingebrigtsens, Matt Centrowicz, and a lot of the Kenyans and Ethiopians in the distance, the longer distance running events. So if you're interested in the elite end of uh, running and what may happen next year in terms of the matchups, the times we may see coming, etc., this podcast episode is all about that. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode with... Freddie Ovet. And as also mentioned in the previous episode, this po- this podcast episode will not be cut in half for um, half for subscribers and half for anyone. This will be the full episode for all listeners. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you are interested in listening to more of these podcast episodes, go and check out sweatelite.co slash podcast and you can find podcasts from the last couple of months that we've recorded with a lot of different topics from a lot of Brilliant minds in the sport of running. Thanks again for listening in, and I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hey guys, recording number two from Girona, Spain with Freddie Ovet. Freddie, thanks again for joining. No worries, pleasure. I'm always uh, happy to talk some rubbish. <laughs> so, for those that haven't listened to the first podcast episode with Freddie Ovet, uh, cyclist based in Australian cyclist based in Girona, Spain, son of a legendary. Middle distance runner Steve Ovet. You should check that out. We spoke about Freddie's upbringing from being a, I guess, a very good junior distance runner to having a, 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 a tough injury that switched him to cycling. We spoke a lot about his dad's experiences with training and racing and his attitude towards, I guess, his very raw attitude towards training and racing. So far away from the current modern day, I guess, data focused measure data measuring attitudes. Um, and we spoke about a, bit, a few other things as well that were quite interesting, so go and check that out. But this episode is going to be all about, or mostly about, the the, the next year in distance running, so the year 2020, and uh, let's get let's get straight into it. Yeah, yeah so no, this I... coming weekend, well, we're going to actually start with Valencia Marathon, which is just before 2020. Um, Joshua Chepter guy from Uganda is going to have a go at the 10K world record. Mm. Yeah. Arguably... Arguably the best distance run in the world right now. It, I mean, obviously it hasn't dabbled in the marathon distance, so you can't compare him to someone like Kipchoge, but world cross country champion, and and on top of that, he just won in the world championships in Doha on the track ten thousand meters convincingly. 
you know that that that's that is a solid straight up distance runner you know when you get those guys who are who are doing cross country and track and, and winning both like the Bikilis yeah um, you know guys like Gabriel Lassie sort of didn't dabble with both they just stuck to one or the other in Gabriel Lassie's case the track so it's impressive when you see someone like that and um, not Kenyan and Ethiopian born you know Ugandan uh, Uganda is starting to come through and uh, he's he's a beautiful athlete to watch he, he's pretty special and uh yeah, I have no doubt he's going to run something outrageous yep. in Valencia and uh, you know that'll be the sort of start of uh, him showing some promise on the roads to what will probably be a great marathon career laid down track for him yeah while I'm going to say the next thing can you just quickly look up his best time ever half marathon or do you know it check the guy yeah I don't think I'm, I'm, I doubt that he's run half he may, marathon he may I think, know I you're think right. he's, he's he's been focusing on the 5 and 10 he, I, and he's, I mean that's the beauty about being a successful 5 and 10k runner is you don't have to worry about yeah. that until you you're sort of in your later stages yeah um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has run a half marathon I, I can check that right yeah now. have a quick look check the guy is not yet I guess a household name you would call him he's not a he's not a Bikili he's not a Kipchoge He's not a Jeffrey Camelwar who's coming up through the ranks now and I guess he's maybe starting to become a household name. But I feel like Cheptegei very well could be one pretty soon. I mean, he's done a lot of a lot of big things. He's had a lot of good victories in the last few years. Um, I think while you're there, check his age because he's pretty young. So he's, he's run the second fastest ever 15 kilometers on right. the road of yep. all time. But I don't, I, I don't think he's uh, gone amongst a half marathon quite yet. I, I think he'd be, he'd be saving that for uh, for when he knows he can uh, you know do something pretty special, which yep. I'm sure he could right now. But um, as in terms of age, he's young. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, there was he had that um, big matchup with Kamawar last year, the World Championship in Uganda, yeah. World Cross Country Championship. That's right. And um, you know he, he he made this outrageous move with I, I'm guessing about three or four k to go, and, yeah. and looked like he had the race won and. And then absolutely blew his doors off, and, <laughs> and didn't he, and didn't he actually even finish second? Um, so he's not afraid to get amongst it, and um, it, it's pretty cool to see a, a yes, yeah, still African, but but a non-Kenyan Ethiopian, um, yeah, sort of contesting the medals in a in a global championship. Twenty twenty three years old, nineteen ninety six. So, um, do you reckon that's uh, one of those birthdays? It's maybe. They're always, they're always questionable. They're always always questionable. So, you know, there's usually a formula or, you know, plus two or three, but... Um, he hasn't been racing for a long time. No. He's not, you know, he hasn't been posting results 10 years ago. Yeah. So he's but still pretty... A prolific junior career and yeah. um, and, and quite a switched on guy. If, if you, you know, stumble across any interviews on him, yeah, he I speaks have, yeah. great English and, and, yeah. and, and quite articulate, which is, um, which is nice to see and, and interesting um, getting his take on, on things going forwards. Also in Valencia, we have um, Augustine Chogi doing, yeah. doing the marathon. Yeah, we'll talk about him in a second because I just yeah. want to, I just want to actually finish up talking about Cheptegui. Um We've written two articles about the training of Joshua Cheptegui. You can find them just by googling. I guess uh, Joshua Cheptegui insights into the Ugandan training. But there was a training session he did the other day, posted online. He's sharpen up for Valencia eight four hundreds. I did see that. Yeah, eight four hundreds. It was either 90 seconds or two minutes rest, which is not overly important. It was, I think it was 90 seconds, could have been two minutes. And he was running them in 
57-58 for the first six. Ascending sort of And then he went 54-52 at the end. And... Right before Doha World Championships. No, this is this is this week. Okay. Yeah, this All is right. this is leading into Valencia 10K. Right. I mean, he very well may have done a similar session that, before. That's I wouldn't a, be surprised if he did the same session before. Yeah, I mean, Doha. It's, it's a 10K is a 10K, whether it's yeah. on the road or crap. So he probably has a similar build up. Yeah. Um, but that was an interesting thing to see because I guess it was a kind of short session. Eight four hundred for a 10K. And also, but, I, I think I saw an image of that off yeah. the track itself, and it was not a track. It's not, a, it's not a track. It's a dirt. Yeah, line around a, a what would probably be a, some sort of field yeah. in Uganda, and and I'm sure it's 400 meters. I don't yeah. doubt that for a second. But it, it, you know, that's just a, it was raw. It's raw, and it's probably <laughs> all that he's ever had access to. Yeah, um, but it's not stopping him from from throwing down a, a 52 second last lap, which is interesting that he's he's decided to do something that fast when he's definitely not going to need to access that sort of speed on the weekend. But, um, <laughs> maybe, maybe he is. Maybe, maybe he is. I'm not sure who else is lining up, but I don't think anyone's going to be in the vicinity of him. But um, I think it's just a confidence thing to, yeah. to run something that quick at the end of a session. It's yeah. just like, I know I don't need to run that, but I can run that and I will run that and I'm ready to go. Yeah. Current world record, 26.44 on the road. Guy, I think, has run slightly quick on the track. Leonard Correa, I think, is the... Yeah, Kenyan from yeah. last year. Um, not a very household name at all. No. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of Kenyans that run in the high 26s, low yeah. 27s. Um, so let's see if he will crack that, and then let's get back onto the topic that you brought up, Augustine Choge, which is interesting, because yeah. we, as we said in the other podcast, we've been you know talking, or we've been friends for a good 13, 14 years now, and we, we watched... Or you were at the stadium, but I was watching and I was talking with you around about the same time of him winning the Commonwealth Games 5K mm. in 2008. Mm. 2006, sorry. 2006, sorry. 2006. Melbourne. He beat Craig Mottram in a, in a, in a good battle. Um, Great battle. He's had, so, so what has he done since then? He's done a couple of quick halves. Well, he, he, I remember um, before that race, he, he was starting to be sort of... Um, Groomed as the next big Kenyan running star, yes. Because yeah, the 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 one at that stage is Benjamin Lima, and Lima was in that that race with uh, with Chogi and Mottram in in Melbourne, and, and and not many people thought everyone thought Lima was the man to, to go toe to toe with Mottram, but it, it ended up being Chogi and um, Chogi was young then. Chogi was young. He, he I was reckon he was nineteen, or junior, twenty, from world junior champion on the track, yeah. and, and was starting to come through. And I think he won the trials. Yeah, and people who kind of knew their stuff knew that he was sort of on his way. Anyways, he he won that five k, which I saw in person, and it was outrageous. Yeah. It was such a good race. Quickly describe that. It's funny. It's it interesting. Was, it was so eight. so Mottram's hometown. Yeah, Craig Mottram from Australia, twelve fifty five guy. Mottram at his best as well. He was at his best. He was because he ran his PB of twelve fifty five. I think the year before, or maybe even earlier that year. Yeah, um, two thousand seven. You know, that sort of 2005, 6, 7 Mottram was at his best. 348 mile from Mottram. So yeah. he showed some serious... Third in Helsinki over the, uh, yeah. over the 5K. World champs. You know. Yeah. And so on the night, everyone was everyone was pumped up for a, an Australian victory over the Kenyans. Maybe not a victory, but definitely an absolute dogfight. Yeah. And they got it. And 80,000 people at the MCG standing on there. Everyone's standing for the last, like... The whole race, basically, yeah, yeah. and I, I, I remember I, I was I don't know how old I would have been. Two thousand eleven, yeah, eleven or twelve. I, I just remember like the most deafening noise yeah. for for twelve, you know, twelve and a half, thirteen minutes, 
And um, yeah, Mottram lost the race, but he, he ran an incredibly courageous race. And yeah. I think the Aussie public just appreciated that fighting spirit in the first place. But Pachogi ran away with him, uh, ran away from him with, um, with 300 to go. And that was, it kind of was the thing that, that moment then everyone was like, oh, this guy's going to dominate. This guy's going to, you know, Bikili was um, still there, but kind of, you know, uh, moving onto the roads a bit later on, I think, in a sort of after 2008. And everyone thought Chogi was going to progress into this world beater. And um, he didn't. Mm. He didn't. He didn't. He, he, he's run some incredibly fast PBs. Um, but, you know, I think still to his to this day, he, he would maybe argue elsewhere or, or otherwise, but maybe that was his crowning achievement of his career. Yeah, I, I mean, can't really think of anything else. And I think he's, I think he was a silver medalist in a world indoors. Yeah, um, I think you're right. But he, his, his, um, his PBs are very impressive, but that's, uh, that's another thing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of those... I went through his PBs quickly before this. 144.800, uh, 329, 1500. 350 mile. 350 mile, 728, 3K. Yeah. That's quick. That's quick. 1253, 5K and, and, you know, then he's run all the way up, you know, 5, 4, 5, 59 minutes, sorry, for the half marathon, yeah. um, you know, a few years ago. So this guy's debuting over the marathon. Debuting? Debuting, in yeah, the, in Valencia is his, is his marathon debut. Yeah. Um, training partner of Elliot Kachogi, mm-hmm. a very good friend. You know, those those guys have pictured together a lot throughout the years training. Ineos Challenge um, posted a couple of videos and photos with them, and the the whole, I guess, theme of those videos and photos were uh, Choge Chogi wants to help his best friend. Or... Yeah, it, it's it really came across that way that they. Um, they really have a, a, rela- a relation, like a nice friendship together, yep. you know, and not just the, you know, the standard training partner, just, uh, you know, showing up to camp and running together every day. You know, I think they genuinely uh, care about each other. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see if, you know, Kipchoge's heroics this year is going to rub off on a Chogi, you know. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm really... It's yeah. got to have... The, the mental edge that those guys must have. I mean, Choge, for example, or Camel War training with that group knowing that that they're training with the best well what I was about to say is the best distance runner ever which many people would would agree with but we're going to talk soon about mm. Bikili well won't yet but you know they've, they've got to be my, my well, point they, there was they've got the a mental very, edge they've got a very good marathon training group they've got a, they've, they've got the strongest <laughs> and, marathon training group they've got the this sort of uh, Yoda in Kipchoge that yeah. everyone is just seeing as this zen like character that, yeah. that just sort of defines pain and any problems that anyone has during races or life and everyone's like wow you know this guy and, and I'm sure Chogi himself is like in awe of him as well yeah. you know so um, it's one thing hanging out training with someone in, and as we both know it's very different than uh, sort of trying to do what they do in a, in a race situation so yeah. I know Chogi's had his troubles um, you know so let, let's see how he goes in Valencia you know hope for hopefully just a successful debut you yeah. know if he can just get a solid mark out there which is important for in a marathon debut and he, he could progress into you know one of the top sort of guys yeah yeah he very well could um so he was roughly 19 back in 26 so again it's almost it's almost irrelevant talking about the kenyans and uh, ages but he must be sort of early to mid 30s now um so i mean i feel like there's plenty of time for him yeah, I mean, yeah. and he, he obviously hasn't just been sitting around in Kenya not doing anything. You know, no. he's, he's just had a rough time in terms of 
timing and injuries for championships. So yeah. um, he's obviously prepared well. Obviously, if yeah. you're if you're in that group, you yeah. know they wouldn't send you to a race. No, and if you're not sort of ready to go, and um, yeah, no, I'm sure it'll be a good one. Yeah, my prediction. Looking forward to Valencia this weekend. So it's currently Thursday here in Spain. We've got three days until the Valencia Marathon. So you may be listening to this after the after the fact, but um, looking forward to that one. And then let's get on to 2020. Matt Fox himself making a. Make an appearance over the marathon oh, yeah, distance. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're not maybe gonna, maybe we're, not in the vicinity of Shogi, <laughs> but... Uh, Let's talk about me for sub 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, I am doing Valencia Marathon. Uh, my personal best is 2.35 from Berlin still, in which I had to do a lot of stopping and walking with muscle cramps. Um, but last weekend, I, I ran a big 10k PB. I ran 30.41. Yeah. Uh, not a perfect race, but it was still... Um, it, a lot of things did go my way. Weather was good and course was good. Uh, and I guess people have been sort of saying 222 to 225 you should target, but I'm still, I don't want to psych myself out over it, but I'm still concerned about these muscle cramps because I still have not yet finished a race without bad cramping. Like I'm talking, I have to stop many times cramping, not just, not just a, a little cramp and I, and I, and I keep running through it and it's annoying. It's like my cramps are a huge they're, they're bang I have to stop and stretch it out for 30 seconds so yeah, you're, in you're Berlin I think I calculated roughly by looking at my pace graph I, I was stationary for like 3 minutes yeah. in the race so like not moving that's a that's a kilometre yeah so who knows I mean my goal is definitely under 2 well definitely personal best you, you can never be disappointed with a personal best but I think if I have a good race and my cramps don't haunt me again um, 225, 226 would be good. So Sounds like you've done a lot of work to try and stamp out those cramps with a, sort of a yeah. bit of nutrition. And... Yeah, let's quickly talk about that. It's a good point. I think that many people might might um, skip ahead for a couple of minutes if you if you have no issues with cramping or you're a middle distance runner. But um, uh, So I have cramped. I moved up to the marathon a few years ago after being a middle distance runner. And... Uh, first marathon cramped and, and as I've already said I've cramped every marathon um, quite badly so I started to look into why this is looked at nutrition uh, I've tried loading on sodium calcium magnesium all these things I did that at Berlin and it didn't help me at all well cramping is one of these bizarre things that, that it's like the common cold that there is no cure no. and there's a you know it's, it's the classic thing you have the problem and you go straight on to Google. <laughs> Dr. Uh, Google. Yeah, mate, always. And it's like, <laughs> how, how do I... Cramping. Why am I getting it? Yeah. You know, what, what's the... What's and then the, you just get... What am just, I missing? You get fed with uh, you get, marketing material. You about, get, you know, <laughs> your, your deal on uh, pickle juice for, you know, two, two euros or whatever. But <laughs> it's... it's uh, I, I've experienced issues as yeah. a cyclist and we spoke about this and it's something that you can really bang your head against the wall. I have been doing that. And um, not really get anywhere. And, and, it, and I think it just comes down to what we sort of said that you're kind of doing something that your body thinks you really shouldn't be doing. You're not prepared for. Or you haven't really prepared well for, which I guess a lot of people can be like, well, hang on, you're saying that my training hasn't been good, you know, I've prepared well, and that's not what I'm saying. It's 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 saying that no matter what uh, you do to prepare, that a race is always going to be different than training. Yeah. Just there's so many variables that you just can't, copy into yep. um you can you can do very well to copy a, a marathon into training somehow but at the end of the day you, you definitely haven't run 42.2 uh, kilometers at a really fast non-stopping effort that's the problem with marathon i mean middle distance running you're always going to be doing stuff in training that's essentially the same 
or very similar. You're, you're going to be right? covering sort of like at least a third or half of the distance in training at the same sort of speed or very close I mean, we multiple were, times. We were both 800 guys at one point or another. And I don't know about, like, in fact, I do know about you because I did a lot of training with you at one point. We were both doing 600 time trials at 800 pace. Always. Now, Never. how often do you do a, a 30, Never. 2 to 35k run at your Never. pace? You can't. It's, it's too, too damaging. It's too it's too damaging. damaging. You, you, I've done a few a few 30k runs close to the yeah. pace. But not at the pace. Mar- marathon's a different beast, yeah. and it has to be. It has to be approached with. I, I'm not speaking from any experience from what I've seen, but you have to approach it with serious respect and caution. Mm. And if you start pumping out 30, 35 k tempo runs, <laughs> it's it's not going to end well. Right. You know, it's that's a very sort of fine line that you're walking. So that that is the the beauty and sort of the beast of the marathon is yeah. it's is there's a lot of the unknown that once you sort of step. Um, beyond sort of 25k yeah. it's kind of like i really don't know how my body's going to hold up here mm. and and if you come through it there's like you get an extra euphoria sort of boost from that and if you don't it's it's demoralizing and you're left kind of empty-handed and mm-hmm. what what can you do so you're kind of in that situation i guess going to valencia but so is probably 99 percent of the field you know yeah. chogi definitely doesn't know what's going to happen mm. you know he's no. never done one before no. so he's like you know this wow i could really i could end up being really disappointed or or over the moon. So um, you just got to roll the punches, prepare the best you can with your nutrition and uh, see what happens. Before we um, move on to talk about the big races next year, I'm going to talk very quickly about what I've done to try and overcome the cramps this year. And again, it, it, it might be one of those things that I listen, if I do cramp all the way through in Valencia and I listen back to this, it's almost like it didn't work, but I'll say it anyway. Um, I've had some advice from a few people, a few very experienced marathon runners, one that has just been on the podcast, Brian Livingston from Berlin Track Club. Um, he experienced cramps. He's a 221 guy. He experienced cramps in his first few marathons and said, try training, try doing more long runs. Mm. Try doing a, a combination of long, fast runs, 30K at close to pace, and then also 40 to 45. Well, I, I didn't do anything more than 42. I did a, I did. I did a number of 42k runs. It's a big day. It's a big day. But I did, so So I did Berlin Marathon 10 weeks ago. I think it's 10. It could be nine. I think, I think it's 10. And then since then, I've done three 42k runs. Mm. Between, so I've done, including Berlin, I've done four 42k runs. Now, some people are probably thinking that's excessive. But I haven't found it too hard. Now, one of them was New York Marathon. It is a training run around 248, which is 85% effort, maybe. Um, I felt like I, I could have kept going for quite a while. It wasn't really course as well, mind you. S- s- towards the end, slightly, yeah. yeah. Uh, two other marathons in between 2.50 and three hours. Okay. So none of them are like balls to the wall at the end. St- I'm, I'm, I'm really hurting. But you're definitely not jogging. No, I'm not jogging. Yeah. In addition, I did two... Uh, no, sorry, I did one 30K run at pretty close to a marathon pace and that was hard yeah that that is going to be incredibly yeah. hard you yeah. don't have all the bells and whistles and no. all that sort of helping you go along on the side of the road yeah as, as i just said doing a 30 35k run in training it's if you've done that then yeah i mean it's it's got to be a feather in your cap in, in terms yeah. of going forward and, and if you've had enough time to recover from it yeah but i guess what um, the doctor was saying there was just trying to give you some muscle adaptation yeah get get the get the body used to that distance and maybe especially being an 800 meter guy in the past that maybe the body just isn't conditioned to it like naturally a lot of people are well most of my training back when i was doing middle distance was at 
a lot of it was at, at, at just speeds way faster than my marathon pace. Oh, of course. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I'd do, a, I'd do a long your... run of an hour at four minute K pace and then the rest of it would be faster. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be five or six by a K at mm. 255. It'd be 10, 400s at 60. Mm. It'd be 10, 200s at 25. Yeah. This is just like, it's almost like, not a, it's a, almost a different thing. Different sport. Almost. <laughs> it's almost. Like, yeah, like the weight, yeah. Yeah, you're running, but just, the, the mechanics and everything. The muscles you're using are kind completely of completely different. Yeah, you just not even you're, you're you won't touch like the you know, lactic at, at any stage no. on the weekend. And if you do, you've done something seriously wrong. <laughs> you've probably tried following Chogi for the first few days. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a different it's a different animal, and that and again, that's why it's so appealing. I yeah. think because yeah. it's just nice when you have to tick the nutrition box. You have to tick the long run box consistently. Exactly. You have to tick the mileage. You have to tick injury prevention, cramping, all this. And, and when it all comes through, I think, I, I, again, I wouldn't know, but I can imagine it'd be... Yeah, but you've been, in, you've been around and talked to enough people to Yeah, know. I imagine it'd be quite satisfying. Yeah, so um, Yeah, hope, fingers crossed for you on the weekend, mate. Yeah, thank you. Okay, moving on. Talk enough about me. Uh, Bikili, I mean, <laughs> we everyone hopes... Everyone that knows, you know, the elite running side of things. Die-hard distance fans. They, they all want to see the big showdown next year. Um, <laughs> Bikili versus Kipchoge, and maybe even add in versus Campbell over a marathon. Ethiopian Is it going to happen? Kenya. There are rumours around through someone, through someone in Kenya. <laughs> That this is this has been posted online by a source that I'm not going to say because some, some bloke in a ten. No, it was actually it was actually shop. a media it was actually a media company. I'm not going to say the name, but um, they did say that there were rumours coming out of the camp that Bikili and uh, Kipchoge may race at London. Same management, same management, same management. So Again, uh, don't no clue if that's true. Yeah, it'd be a pretty penny. That's for sure for both of them. Um, Bikili, you know. Bikili almost really <laughs> spoiled the show for the Ineos 159 challenge. Yeah, you know, let's Ber- that quickly. Berlin, that um, Berlin was a few days before, if I'm correct. It was two weeks before. Okay, two weeks. Berlin before. was 29 September. Ineos was 12 October. Yeah, and I, I, I was, I wasn't exactly following Berlin because I, I think I was busy with my racing at that some stage, and so I wasn't even aware Bikili was racing. <laughs> Um, and, and I remember waking up and seeing that he ran 201 and was just like, I'm shocked, but I'm not shocked because mm-hmm. it's Bikili. Um, and I think everyone was kind of the same um, same sort of boat with, with that. But I think uh, yes. I think Ineos and Kipchoge and the whole... Kipchoge probably wasn't two-phased, but I think... Well, it was. It was his world record. Um the whole uh, promotion company behind Ineos and the people that you know made that big massive event happen thanked their lucky stars that Bikili didn't break that world record because Kipchoge was billed as as the man the greatest ever marathon runner in history and and he is it's hard to take that mantle away from him and he's only ever lost one when he finished second um so, but they were saying that he's the fastest marathoner ever. And then there's a massive contradiction when if someone's just broken the, the actual legitimate world record. <laughs> yeah. And he only missed it by four seconds? Two. Two seconds. 201.39 was the record. He ran 201.41. And there is so many funny... Some rumours, some confirmed true about what happened there. Um, he did train according to... So, so I went to Ethiopia in January 
and we did a bit of training with this group. Now, Kennedy said he was injured at the time, so we didn't do, he wasn't training then. But I got to know his coach, Mersha Azrat, pretty well. And I asked Mersha, sent him a message uh, after Berlin and said, awesome job. How long did Bikili train for before this? Because there's rumours going around that it was only six weeks. And Mersha said, no, it was eight weeks. <laughs> um, I, I also, I saw that as well. And I saw that... I saw that he was actually brought over to Holland yeah. by the management company and, 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 and they were so concerned about how consistent or inconsistent his training would be if he stayed in um, Addis Ababa due to the fact that he's um, he owns a lot of companies over there. He owns obviously the athletics track and the hotel next to it and I'm, I'm sure he owns there's a lot. There's other businesses. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's plenty because um, you know, he's had a successful career. Um and the, the sort of the, I think the rumors were that he was eating uh, his his meals at the buffet at the hotel, and, and this was having a major impact on his weight. Correct. Which for marathon running is is incredibly important to the point where it was a bad problem. It, it for a small guy, so it, like for a <laughs> yeah. small guy, it, it is very easy to put on weight because it's just very noticeable. And I think I think it was very noticeable that Bikili wasn't um, he wasn't fighting shape, and and um, you know. I think Berlin was kind of something that the company probably saw. Achilles had a, a lot of bad marathons. Yeah. Of really consistently bad. He's D- de- DNF'd half. He's DNF'd half. He's had he's had a couple that have been great. Like he's run 203, I think. 203 to win over, Berlin. I think, yeah, 203 low, over something. And yeah. then and then I think he recently DNF'd one in Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, and he was walking and there was video footage of him walking on the side of the road and it was just like, man, what's happened to this, you know, what's happened? You know, this guy you, was the king of running. He, he he should be dominating. And so I think the weight issue, the the lack of consistent training with his other commitments was an issue and they, they brought him to Holland for eight weeks. They must have been thinking, okay, Kenny's getting, he, he's not young anymore. There's probably only so many times that these races are going to, you know, what am I trying to say? It's basically like we've got to we've got, we've got to get in to run a quick yeah, one soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, we've, got, we've got to get in to run they, fast. They know better than ever, better than anyone, that how talented he is. Yeah. Like because they they saw him from a junior all the way to to what he is now. So they brought him across, and I think heavily focused on um, physio uh, work because yeah. I think he had some a lot of ongoing issues just because yeah. he couldn't look after himself properly with with his commitments nutritionist that was sort of heavily monitored um, and then consistent training away from altitude which is a big risk from for a company to bring an African away from altitude for a long period of time in that's usually spells disaster um, so it was a risk but I think they thought you know the hell it it's either he doesn't run well or he, he runs well yeah um, lost a lot of weight I, I would I will still say personally he still didn't look the bikini no he still I think was a little bit heavy. I said it before. I by Bikili's standards, not by anyone else's standards, because yeah. that, that would be unfair and, and not uh, not a good way to look at things. But by, by Bikili's standards of what I've seen him on the track, um, he definitely wasn't still at his fighting weight, no. I, I say personally. No, I said the same thing. I was standing on the start line. I was on the start you line. I was, I was in the sub-elite field. There was a... a, a a big screen at the start and, and I could watch the screen so I was about 10-15 minutes from the start camera line. ads camera ads a couple of pounds though, mind you as they say but yeah <laughs> well that's true yeah. yeah but I was thinking when they showed Bikili on the screen my first thought was he looks a little overweight yeah and, he, and then it was very surprising to me when I finished and I heard 
because of course I run 235 so I was 34 minutes behind him which is crap half an hour over half an hour back um, but someone that finished just around my time came up to me and said because I was running with him at points he said Bikili ran 201.41 and I said no no there's no way mm. and <laughs> There is. That was the reaction. Like it, like I said, people were surprised not by who it was, but just how it happened. Yeah. It just came out of nowhere. There wasn't a half marathon a month before. There wasn't. It just wasn't your standard build up. And, <laughs> and then when you, when these articles came out and that that you know he he literally only had a proper two months, kind of like how a boxer trains. Yeah. It's like, mate, you're fighting this guy in in, in two months. All right, better get training. You know, it's been a year or so, and yeah. they do. They lose the weight and they just go into training camp as it as they call it and, and they get ready and, and that's Bikili did a boxer's he preparation a boxer's approach. he did he, he went to camp over in Holland you know probably in terrible weather like it usually is over there and yeah. just cut some weight and, and actually did some decent training and it just shows you how talented that guy is to, to do something like that and pretty much equal the world record yeah. because it, it, it it's another point that we need to sort of make apparent that it it really didn't look like in the race that he knew how quick he was running. No, he didn't know. He, he should probably listen to our podcast about the Garmin watch uh, <laughs> yeah. that we were on about yesterday because he, uh, he was looking at his watch way too many times, probably in disbelief, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, he, he, had a, he had a few big glances at. It would have been around 40K. Yeah. And it was almost like he looked at once and it's almost like he went, what? What was that? He looked a few more times and we were saying like, he must have been like 155, 156, and I haven't, I've got 2K to go. I don't that, know that equals uh, 201. There's not been many people who've, who've got to 40K and looked at their watch and seen a, Sub, yeah. seen a one in front of it even, and he's seen a one maybe 55, 56. So the, the other thing that is, is very interesting about that race is that it was a race yeah. for quite a long time. Yeah. You know, he, it was, there was actually a point where Bikili was dropped and it really looked like he wasn't coming back. The other Ethiopian, and I'm sorry, I'm not remembering his name, but he he gapped him. He for did, a while. and he looked the he looked really strong. He did, and, and I think, I can't remember his name as well. I'm, I'm going to look that yeah, up right now up. because he's a consistent he's he's a consistent two three two four guy. This it looked guy. like he was going to run away. And the commentators were like, "Well, fair enough. This guy's been running well um, lately." Yeah. Um, and as we all know, in running, usually when you get dropped, that means that you've you're done. You're, you're done. You're not going to win. You're not coming back. No. You know, the, your, your legs are screaming, your lugs are burning. The only way that you might be coming back is, one, if the guy in front of you has a problem, or two, you're, you're just playing your cards really well, mm. and, and you're not actually getting dropped, you're just running your own race. Which was exactly what... Exactly what he did. Yeah. And it was, and that was the peculiar of old who just knows himself mm. in and out. And, and he came roaring past... <laughs> Um, in the Literally. last 5k and just putting minutes into this guy yeah um, so yeah it, it, it was awesome to see him it back. was and, it, and and I think it goes to show uh, what what a marathon race can do if it is actually a race in terms of time yeah so you know that this, this whole seg- segment is about Kipchoge and Bikili man if those guys got in a race together and they actually raced you know, we could see the first sub two, in my opinion, in a legitimate course. It's definitely possible. I mean, Bikili must have been thinking, okay, I'm hanging with uh, the name we're about to find. Jeez, I, I, we should we should know that. But there Excuse is, my um, there is so many good, there is so many good Kenyans and Ethiopians. It's kind of hard to keep up. But um, I'm going to stick with these leaders here, uh, and then he 
he fell off at a at somewhere just after the middle, and then he felt obviously very good at about thirty to thirty five k. He's roared past him, and then he's probably thought to himself at thirty nine forty, I better just. I mean, I wonder what this time's going to be. And then he's noticed that he's running close to the world record pace, and then he's really put the foot down and just missed it. So it was, it was an Ethiopian one two three um, behind a Legacy two o two forty eight. You know, that's got. I think that's top. Well, that's definitely top five all time. And he's put a minute on him in the last five. He's put a minute to, into him in the last five k exactly, yeah. um, and that's a lot. And to say Lemma two o three thirty six also Ethiopian. Um, so it's an impressive, it's an impressive podium. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think Bikili definitely would have been battling some demons um, in in that last sort of half marathon. You know, yeah. like you said, he he hasn't finished more than half of his starts. Um, he, I think he said it himself. He, he wasn't even thinking about a world record. He was just like, I think I can run two o two ish. I'm going to go with the pace and then just see what happens. So it's kind of like when you see him glancing at his watch. It's probably one of the first times he actually did look at his watch, yeah. Because he was so concentrated in his battle and, and looking after himself and his hydration. Same guy giving him the bottles as Kipchoge um, was getting the bottles from in, mm-hmm. in Berlin the year before. That that sort of famous guy who's like just loving giving out bottles. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so I think it's funny if you actually watch the footage and, and you see Bikili look at his watch, it, it, you kind of see that a moment in his head. He's like. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Like I could do the I could break the world record. Yeah, because I think there was something like he short sided or something like that, so he couldn't see the clock in front of it. Yeah. There's something like that. I, could, I don't quote me on it, but it's something along those lines. So, so yeah, he looks at his watch and he's like, "Wow!" Yeah. Like, and he picked up pace. Yeah, he, he he, I think he actually ran fast in Kipchoge in those remaining yeah. um, kilometers. Yeah. And um, it's a shame if he didn't really actually um, know a bit earlier what what could have been because. Yeah. Big fan of Bikili. He crossed the finish line, was absolutely steaming. He was. He was angry. And he was people were offering him towels and drinks. Didn't, didn't want a bar, bar of it. Of it. He no. just was thinking, why didn't you warn me? He was like, why didn't you warn me back there that I, I was... wanted to add, of my, add to my list of 16 world records. I think he's, he's uh, broken. And, and, and the marathon's the big one, you know, for yeah. any distance running. It's the, it's the king of the distance running um, yeah. sort of, obviously, accolades. And, and he was... Uh, he was two seconds off, which yeah. even in a 5K is close. So you you got to feel for him. But um, it definitely is not the end of Bikili. If anything, it's no. it's the start of his career in marathoning. 2020 is going to be a... It's got to be a big year. I mean, we've got the Olympics. Tokyo Olympics in uh, August? August. August. Um, that's obviously not going to be a fast race because in Japan it's going to be warm. So they moved the marathon from Tokyo up to the north of Japan. I think it's Sapporo it's going to be. Okay. It's still going to be pretty warm there. Yeah. Um, so it's not going to be, you know, Olympics are rarely fast. Of course, there's been the occasional semi one, semi one Juru at Beijing, yeah, the, two o six, the late semi one Juru two o six in yeah. Beijing, which was arguably one of the greatest performances of all time. Terrible weather, it's just polluted, hot. Two o six. If there's any listeners out there and looking at a list of marathons to do in Beijing comes up, just cross that one out yeah. asap because it's just. It's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. It's just there's nothing good about running or doing any endurance sport in a city that polluted, and um, he just defied the odds and from the gunner, and it's incredible. So it's hard to impress your old man, but he was impressed by that. He was. I remember him. <laughs> I remember him just being like, 
yeah wow just yeah it is very hard to impress him but yeah there, there are a few things that do and, and when they do I, I make sure to, yeah, to uh, remember them. because yeah. there's obviously some sort of reason um, so I don't think I, I don't think it will be slow in Tokyo especially especially yeah. for the likes of maybe Kipchoge wanting to line up and maybe Bikili I wonder if those guys will line up Olympics is Olympics, man. And I, I know the World Championships marathoning um, prestige is definitely that no one really cares about that, let's be honest, with, with all due respect. Some do, but at least the top guys don't seem to. It, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't pay like the major marathon running does, and that, that is important. You know, if you're going to invest in a lot of time and training, you, you want to get paid well yeah. for appearance, and, and then if it goes well, so you can understand that. And World Championship is... Uh, Olympics has this whole big legacy thing to it. Yeah, now. Olympic so, Marathon, it's a big deal. You know, and, and you know, the, the Olympics were born out of the marathon. Yeah. You know, Pidipides, back in the ancient days, running the marathon distance to marathon to, to send the message about the, them winning the war. So I don't want to get all, like, historic and God knows what. No, but it's, fair, think, it's a fair point. I don't think Kipchoge's reading... Or maybe he is, he is into all that philosophical stuff, isn't he? He loves it. So... <laughs> um, I I would be surprised that they wouldn't want to do the Tokyo yeah, Marathon. They could, you know, bang Kipchoge's out. Kipchoge's already won one. Yeah, but, but they, they could bang out one early in the year, um, get paid well, and then um, you know just back up in Tokyo in August. Like, why not? I mean, it'll be a decision for NN running, not for them. But at the end of the day, it will. But but then I remember I remember the whole Ineos thing came about because Kipchoge really wanted to do another crack at it. That's true. Um, and, yeah. and they, he was like, look, I, I really think I can do it. And they're like, all right, we'll, we'll find the funds. So I think if Kipchoge put his foot down and was like, look, I want to defend, then that's that. Yeah. Um, that is true, He's yeah. the boss. And um, and I don't see any reason why Bikili wouldn't want to show up. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I think it's a bit more complicated for Bikili to qualify. Um, and, and why is that again? Because it's just Ethiopian selection is notorious for making some discretion it's just making some really strange calls yeah. and Bikili has had his troubles yes he's just run fast but yeah I think they would be like oh well, we need to see something else before um, yeah. Tokyo which um, okay. hope, we're all hoping we see in London um, so that could, there are there, again there are some rumours that Bikili and Kipchoge are going to battle out in London so London's not a very fast course but then again there have been some good times there I mean Paul this Radcliffe, year I think is, is in the women's side of things broken a world record there um, she did yeah she did so it, I think I, I think, might have to take that back but I just no said, you, you're right you're it's not as fast it has definitely got more elevation gain it's than, got than Berlin of, and it's got a lot of corners because you, mm. you sort of you're, you're racing around the um, the city and across across the Thames in, in and out of the sort of um, suburbs of um, Shoreditch and things like this but um, it's the weather yeah, uh, it's the weather. You know, it, London is is a cold place, and that, it's not so much the cold; it's the wind and it's things like this. So, uh, they they need to be lucky with the conditions more so than the actual course itself. Yep. And then what we touched on in the previous podcast, um, pacemaking, and, and how crucial that is to have the right yeah. guys and and go go for as um, for as long as they expect it to, if not longer, and um, because the, the the way it is in marathoning that these paces are seeming to go less and less yeah. because the pace is just too it's just too quick that they're asking for. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that we see something pretty special in London, especially if those two got together. I feel, just <clears throat> my own opinion, there could be a world record there, mm. a sub 201.39. Mm. I, don't, I don't see it being a sub 2. 
that's a bit far fetched for that course. But again, only my opinion, my, my prediction. But yeah, it would be nice that a that a world record was done outside of Berlin as well. That's true. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like Berlin has this just stakehold in in yeah. world records, and I just don't think that's fair. I know it's the perfect place and everything, but it's just like. You know, there's a lot to offer around the world in terms of, of major city marathons, and it, it'd just be cool <clears throat> that a, a, another another marathon got got to sort of revel and enjoy in that. Yeah, and sure. you know, London's got a lot of history, so it, yeah. it would be cool to see um, one of those two or someone else. We never know. Um, yeah. Do something special and, and emulate um, Paula Radcliffe from the women's side. Yeah, she did run the fastest women's marathon time by over a minute and a half she which stood for you know 2003 until this year so six, yeah. 15, 16 years one so of those records that seemed to look like it was never going to be broken and then, yeah. And then, yeah you know as they do they, they did so yeah. it's been done before um, obviously men's and women's distance running are, were and are in completely different places um, but you know let's just wait and see yeah nothing's out of the question I think um, Kipchoge proved that and Bikili <laughs> This year, yeah. I mean, everyone's hoping it happens. It's probably most likely that it'll be a London matchup, and then maybe even again a matchup at the Olympics. That'd be great. Which is April, late April for London, and then late August, I think it is for Tokyo. So that's four months between April, May, June, July. Four months between. That's probably the most likely scenario, but who knows? We don't know if either of them will go for the Olympics. I mean, as we just both spoke about, it's highly likely. Um, but let's see. Uh, we'll try and get some more rumours and we'll try and get some more, sorry, we, we'll try and find some more firm information, I guess. Yeah. Firm facts, but... I mean, it'd be interesting even to know what they're both doing right now if they're both, both just completely taking... Kipchoge's back to training. Okay. He's been posting online. He's in the gym. Okay. So they always start their preparation with a month of... Uh, it's about four to six weeks of um, uh, aerobic running with some weight training. Yeah. It's not heavy weights. It's just... You yeah. can see it on his Facebook and Instagram. It's just like some... Sort of circuit work, I yes. guess. Yeah. People people call it weights, but it's if you look at it, it's not really. It's, it's marathon weights, which yeah. um, they're, they're in position. I mean, they're, they're lifting weights, yeah, but it's but not. It's just more like just general. Basic sort of exercise, really, yeah. which I think exactly. Um, I think is a great way to, to get back into training yeah. and not just sort of get straight back into the mileage. Yeah. Bikili, um, who knows what he's Bikili, doing? Bikili, no, he's always a hard man to sort of track down. And uh, I think the management company could sort of speak volumes for that as well. Um, so yeah ho- hopefully he's sort of really realised his potential which I'm sure he already did but um, you know really makes there's it... no doubt he is excited after that race yeah, he just... even said in an interview with Berlin Marathon there was a short podcast released on their website anyone can go to Berlin Marathon website and go to the podcast section he says in an interview of about 15 minutes long he says I'm really excited about racing Kipchoge and he's ready at any time mm. he, doesn't, he doesn't say it in an arrogant way at all mm. he actually says it in a very polite mm. calm way it's more like I'm excited about the opportunity to race Eliud and I'm, I'm ready when he is and it was it was cool it was his, his English has come a long way and I think that, yeah. that needs to be noted like he, he's obviously put a lot of hard work into that yeah. probably because of his businesses in Ethiopia but I remember the days where you know he he, he just couldn't fumble out a few English no. words and it, you know there's a big difference between uh, Ethiopian and, and English so yeah. yeah well done to that you know that, that's another feather in his cap so uh, yeah, when he was racing back in his track days, when he was in his prime twenty, uh, sorry, two thousand and three into sort of two thousand and ten, eleven, long rain. Um, yeah, probably even longer. Um, he did a few interviews where he struggled to speak English. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no one cared. 
yeah. know, he comes from Ethiopia. Least, but, yeah. but it was really, it was pretty cool to, to yeah. hear him speak after the race in Berlin. And he was, I wouldn't say he was fluent, but no, he, but he was, he, could, he was talking, good, he was yeah. having conversations. It, yeah. It's impressive when you see so, someone make those yeah. leaps and strides because it's not easy. I As, know that personally. Yeah. Um, You've been over here trying to learn Catalan. Exactly. Catalan, Spanish, everything. So, it's, so um, obviously a smart guy, you know, and uh, obviously made some good decisions business-wise as well. But um, let's hope that he still squeezes the, the last life out of his legs, yeah. you know, in, for 2020 because um, I, think, I think Berlin was the right wake-up call in a good way. That uh, that he that we all needed um, to see Bikili back to his best. That's right. Okay, so marathon, we we think that may happen. Hopefully, uh, half marathons are kind of a weird ones. Like I've always wondered why haven't Kipchoge or Bikili target t- tackled the world record? Kamabor just did it, sure. I mean, Kipchoge. When was the last time he even did a half? Marathon? Yeah, I think probably in that Monza when when in the Monza uh, yeah, did a trial. when they did a trial and he just breezed through yep. fifty nine minutes like it was nothing, which, <laughs> it, which it is for him. Yeah. It is fifty nine minutes. Is it's a cruise? It has to be because he's he's almost doing double of that. He's yeah. doing you know. So I think uh, it's one of these distances that isn't really. A distance, mm-hmm. you know, it, it obviously is a half marathon, but it's not a championship distance. And yeah. these guys, Bikili, uh, Kipchoge, they've been brought up in in on the track where you're very aware of the distances that matter because yeah. there's only a certain amount of distances. And I think half marathon, especially for top marathon runners, um, is seen as a preparation tool. Mm. It's seen as like, okay, you need to get a good couple of these before a marathon, mm. um, whether it's in training because. Kipchoge just doesn't seem to do them. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's one of these strange. Like we had Zersenay today, so if, um, you know, a few years back, who was just the king? Mm. Uh, he was unbeatable. He's like, interesting too. Like he he's never done a marathon overly quick. But maybe that's just his body makeup. Mm. He, he's just for one hour. This that is all, that's him. That's him. Man. He's the one hour, and guy. he's just unlucky that that half marathon distance was never actually happened to be a, a major sort of distance and it's strange that it's not because a one hour sort of duration you would think is yeah. like a nice a I mean really it, nice it is at the at the at the uh, uh, recreational end it's a, it huge, it's a huge thing I'm, I'm talking but at the elite it, yeah. thing it's not really it's not I mean they, they do have the half marathon world championships I think still so let's compare it to the track like if you're a track runner in the distance runners you, you normally tar- if you're a very elite you're normally targeting two world records mm. 15 and 5 or 5 and 10 or 8 and 15 mm. sorry not typically 15 and 5 it's only 8 and 15 or 4 and 8 or 5 and 10, five and 10. but once you go up it's not like that it's straight to marathon yeah, yeah it's straight to marathon or in Tedeschi's case it's to half marathon yeah I don't know I think, <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah he, he's a weird one I yeah. think he just sort of dabbled in it and was like wow I'm good at this I'm going to sort of make some money out of yeah, it yeah. and he did um, <clears throat> but the the thing with 10k guys they there's a few of them I remember Mo Farah kind of and Gail and Rupp would, uh, would dabble in doing half marathons while they're still running 10k's mm. just kind of like dip their foot in like ooh could I be good at marathon Oh, that's a pretty good half marathon. Yeah, maybe I could. And then, all right, back to the track where where we could, and we'll deal with that later. Mm. Um, but yeah, personally for me, half marathon is exactly that half marathon. Yeah. Marathon is the one that matters. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's not a not a really um, focal point for me. It's impressive when Camel you know runs almost fifty seven minutes. Of course it is. Yeah. Uh, but the relevance of it 
compared to championship events is um, just not on the same level. That's right. Okay, other events. Fifth, uh, we'll go down. So half we briefly spoke about. Not really sure if there's going to be any world record attempts there yet. Likely, maybe Camel might go again or someone else. Um, but 10K and 5K on the track. What's what's going on there? I mean, uh, Je- uh, Joshua Chetago won the 10K. Pretty yeah. quick time at Doha. Yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. under 27 minutes. He, he he is the man of 10K. He had he is the favourite for Tokyo. Is is let's just. Unless Camel War wants to have another crack at 10k, but um, Chapter Guy's finishing kilometer is outrageous. Yeah, it, not necessarily his last lap, but his wind up is. It's just like clear that he is the best in the world at that 10k. He, he's proven that over the cross mm. and and on the track. So for me, um, Chapter Guy is at least having another go on the roads at 10k, and he's going to be just completely focusing on the 10k yeah. for um, Tokyo. Um, yeah. It, um, it's going to have to be obviously from the African nations f- to find someone to contest yeah. um, and, they, and they certainly will try but I really find him hard to pass with the 10k as for the 5k completely different it's exciting completely one. different and there's Jeff, Westerners in the, there are, in the mix there are and, and, and Which Jeff, is Jeff cool. guy doesn't dabble in the 5 he, he knows his limits and, mm. and the 5 is just like sometimes there's a quite a big crossover like a lot of guys are doing both and there still are like the Moa Meds and guys like this but um, 5k there's some guys doing 15s like the Ingerbritsons and stepping up and then there's uh, some guys like yeah Yamoa Meds who, who, who are known to, to dabble in the 10k even and uh, there isn't uh, for me I, I there isn't really one guy that stands no. out no um, that there, there's about five I think Jacob Ingerbritsons made it pretty clear that he's he's going to win uh, yeah the Olympics and, and I think he can well, he came third at Doha in the five... No, third? fourth. Fourth, sorry. Yeah, he came home empty-handed right. from Doha, right. but maybe it was a little too much of a big call <clears throat> to have him double in Doha, in my opinion, at, at that age. I think um, I think the 5K really took the sting out of he's his legs from 15. He's still 20, he's 19. 19. He's 19. That's ridiculous. It was... Uh, I mean, it's three... It's five races. Yeah. You know, five, it's, it's a lot of... It's a lot of mileage at that speed in a short period of time, and I'm, I'm certain he would have meddled in the fifteen if if he didn't have the fifth. He was fourth. Fourth again. Fourth, close fourth behind um, yeah. Lewandowski, um, for the bronze, I think. So, I think he can really put his hand up more so in the fifteen than the five k. Yeah. Um, what do you say that, Jakub? Because uh, I'm not sure why I say that, but he's a natural miler. Are you saying that? That I think I, I think I would agree if you're saying it. like, there's just so many Kenyans and Ethiopians that can go like under thirty. Minutes. It's more of a yeah. It's it's more of an endurance test, and and yeah. um, without giving them too much credit, the Africans are dominant at endurance yeah. tests, and and the fifteen hundred over the years have proven. Um, there's always a mixture. Of there's both. a mixture, and. Um, Jakob is a is a natural miler. I've been saying his name wrong. Jakob, not, Jakob. not Jacob. Yeah, Jakob. Well, yeah, yeah. it depends on yeah, where you come from. But yeah, Jakob yeah. Ingrabitson, Um I personally put him down as the favourite for the fifteen. In my opinion, I think yeah. I think his progression has been out, outstanding. Yeah. I think what his dad done, and and the fact that he's able to follow or was able to follow, they're following him now. His older brothers. Um, I think they've just done a really good job, and his. He's just stepped up really nicely every year. He's great to watch. He's confident. He is. He's like, 
he's a 19 year old Norwegian I mean when he's racing these guys it's like he's been there for years yep. and, and he and, hasn't and that's that's the most depressing thing about him it's not the times it's not the medals it's just he's that, always in contention he's just like I'm here yeah. and I'm going to take the lead with 300 meters to go in yeah. 5k world championships and, and come around me I don't care who you are I don't, and, and for a 19 year old to, to have that in a sport that's been dominated by Africans it's, yeah. it's, it's unheard of you know and, and um, it's cool and uh, you can kind of see that his brothers are kind of like looking up to him now. Yeah. You know, which is obviously a turn of the table. So. Which is nice because it's not like there's some other no names here. There's other families in the sport, mm. brothers that have some jealousy things, it, it seems like. And I've heard it. I'm not going to mention any names. But with <coughs> them, gen- they seem genuinely proud. Well, it's... it's which it's, is awesome. Yeah, it's an individual sport. You know, no matter what they say, like, yeah. you know, team increments and everything. When they line up, they, they don't care who... Yeah. who is around them they, they want to win so um, but yeah I think I think they spend just so much time together around the world yeah. that they, they genuinely want each other to do well um, their training is interesting super interesting yeah, so, I, don't, I don't know much about it to be honest it's, so we published a few articles on the Sweat Elite website which I'll link in the show notes um, they've got a very old school from what I understand Norwegian philosophy that involves a lot of threshold running mm. So they do often doubles in terms of like two hard sessions per day. A very, uh, I guess, best to go and check out the articles, but roughly they're doing, there's no focus on mileage. There's very few long runs as well. Mm. Um, but they'll typically do Monday easy day where it's two 10K easy runs. That's done at about 3.45 to 4 minutes per K, which for them is a cruise. Um, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday are all pretty similar. It's normally a... Uh, it's only a tempo session in the morning and either a tempo session again in the evening or a tempo session in the morning and the evening some stuff at close to race pace. That's unheard of. 10 300s or, or 10... It's, it's, it's strange, yeah. And that's, that's, that's hard on the, the, the body and the head to know that you've got to come back later that day and go that deep because tempo sessions, I didn't actually do much of them myself, but they are notorious for being laborious. And what's just... interesting is their tempo sessions aren't super long. So the most common session they'll do is... Four times six minutes on a on a, a lot of the times on a treadmill. Mm. Four times six minutes. With, you have to if you're based in Norway as well. Well, yeah, you? but they do spend a lot of yeah yeah. Um, they do spend a lot of time in uh, warmer places, warmer but still places. They, they they do do a lot of treadmill running. That's been apparent on their social media as well. But they do a lot of they in their week they'll do a they'll do plenty of sessions like that. Yeah. So they'll do um, uh, four four or five times six minutes just at threshold pace they measure their lactate they don't push it too hard so when you said it's tough it's a tough day it is but those threshold sessions are not maxed by any means yeah. they're just like a, a, a like a 70 like an 80% effort yeah and then they'll often do it again in yeah. the afternoon now I couldn't just, I couldn't tell you what the philosophy but like we <laughs> Well, I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't know enough about physiology to understand no, why that works, what, but it, the, it does. One of the interesting things about their coach, who is their father, Gert, yeah. um, has no had no background in running whatsoever, no. quite like um, Peter Coe, Sepp Coe's coach. Yeah. Um, so when you have someone like that, there's no boundaries. No. There's no limits. Because you can't turn around like, like I did sometimes with my old man and be like, you know this is too hard. Why are you getting me to do this? Yeah. Um, because... The Gert, for example, doesn't know what it's like. No. He physically just didn't have to put himself through it. So he's like, well, the numbers match from my uh, study and my research. You know, you should be able to do it. Mm. So go and do it. Mm. And they probably eventually started just doing it consistently. And everyone's like, I can't do that. And they're like, well, we're doing it. Mm. Um, and, and the results speak for themselves now. You know, there's nothing wrong with doing something different. 
if it shows that it's working at some stage and, and it is working at very well for for all of them at different stages. Well, Henrik had the oldest one, Henrik. Yeah. Henrik. He 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 had a lot of injuries. He does. He but he, he he keeps on he keeps on hustling though to his credit. Yeah, like, I mean, he, know, he ran a seven thirty five. Yeah, three k this year. You know, at so he's, off well, very limited work. Mm. You know, so arguably he's as talented as as Jakob, um, but his, his his consistent mileage and training is is just consistently yeah. affected. Maybe with his age. Um, he seems like a great guy from what I've seen. He's in very funny interviews, and I, I, I really hope that he can uh, get on track for Tokyo. And, that, and right now, that he's in a good place yeah. and, and training well. Reach out, Henrik, if you can, if you want. <laughs> um, give us a follow on Instagram, no worries. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, big, I'm a big fan of what they're doing. I just think it's cool, and I like that they're kind of making middle distance running kind of cool again yeah um but yeah Henrik Philip as well we can't forget him you know he's no I mean he's he's got the fastest 15 time he does you know he's it's 330 very low or like just off breaking 330 which as we discussed in the last podcast is a big barrier all three of them have run under 332 yeah imagine being the third fastest in the family with a 331 and being the oldest one yeah um so you know it, it's just funny that, that they seem to be getting better as the siblings go along. Yeah. There's a few other siblings um, on the, that are sort of hanging around uh, athletics tracks, I think, quite a lot. So, you know, maybe that the Ingrid-Britson reign can last even longer. Um, but, yeah, really keen to see what all three of them can do in Tokyo. And I think if you have to put some safe money on anyone it's Jakob in the 1500. Yeah, we didn't really speak much about Philip there. And admittedly, he, he does seem like the maybe more quiet one on social media. Yeah, today. I think because I, I often yeah. see Henrik and Jakob posting stuff, but mm. Philip not so much. But he, he he's potentially as talented. Like, oh. He could easily medal in the fifth. They game. all are so, in, in very different ways. But at, like physically speaking, he's a beast. Like he's yeah. a big guy. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure six six two, six three. Oh, you yeah. know, seventy four, seventy five kilos. Like a big, strong. And when he runs, when he's at his best, like he looks beautiful yeah. like like a proper middle distance runner mm-hmm. um you know maybe more so than the other two so i'm not ruling him out by any chance but it, just their history has proven that the other the older two have had more problems when it comes to injuries and and uh maybe even tactics you know philip yeah. has really run into some trouble literally um in, in a lot of races mm-hmm. and and Jakob naturally really has a knack of uh, tactically running um so yeah you know <laughs> Could see a trifecta, yeah. big call. I don't think so, but I think um, you know if if all three of them are healthy, then there's a very good chance. Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd have to get your multi odds <laughs> with your latest with your yeah. local bookie and see what's going on. And what about your main man? Uh, I'm a big fan, Matt Central. <laughs> he is he is he is very funny on social it's media. It's hard not to be a fan. He's, he, he's, he has the confidence of, I don't, I don't even know the word. Well, we've but spoken quite a bit of bo- about a boxing and, and he's from East Coast, sort of New York, New York and America and he, he's got, he's got that swagger that you just don't see in middle distance running these days because it's just, it's not really cool to be a middle distance runner anymore but he, he brings some swagger to his socials. Um, check him out. He, he's pretty funny on his stories. 2016 Olympic champ. Olympic champ. A bit of a surprise, but um, I mean, in a way, I mean, he was surprised, but at the same time, he did he did come top four at world champs a number of times before that. 
He did, but so, there's a, there's a, there, I think there was a very big difference between where he he was when he placed fourth compared to the winner at that time. Yeah. Um, so I think didn't I, he come second at one world champs? He in Daegu, he he was third, I think. Okay, I, I'm sure he medaled at one. He I did, think, he yeah. did yeah, in Daegu. So and he was still quite young at that stage. Yeah. Um, in London, he was he missed out on bronze. He's an incredible championship runner, mm. but he he missed out on bronze. Um, Ikadia. Um, That's right. The Moroccan um, just come past him, and Manzano, Manzan, no, not Manzan. I've lived in Spain too long. Manzan means apple. By the, if anyone wants to learn some Spanish, um, Lionel Manzano yeah. uh, came roaring past him, and that kind of took the sting out of his uh, London Olympics. Yeah, it, and then so he finished fourth there. Um, so he, I think he's, he's got, a, I think he's got a bronze and a silver at two separate world championships, and a gold at. Um, a gold, obviously, Rio, but he hasn't won a world championships. No, he hasn't won a world championships. Um, he, yeah. he was a smoky coming into this world chance because he ran that, as we said in the other podcast episode, he ran that third-end flat 5K. Yeah. I thought he was maybe a favourite to win. I did as No well. one really agreed with that, yeah. especially the bookmakers. Yeah. He was paying very, very long odds. Yeah. But uh, he posted something funny on uh, Instagram, like, he, like you wouldn't expect anything less from him. After the final at... Uh, uh, Doha. Yeah. What did he come? Eighth or ninth? He was back. back. He, he was, was back, back a bit. Back. He wasn't. He was not in the fight at all. Yeah. Um. And he said he he screenshot a text message that he got from someone saying the year the world champs the year before the Olympics you came eighth. What happened the following year? Mm. And it, it it was a it was that, a it was that, a cool thing to post because a, it was like that's the, the confidence <laughs> right back. You yeah. know, it's, he he almost takes offence. When, when when people when he runs poorly, it's almost like yeah. he's just got so much pride that it's like, mate, I'm Olympic champion. Don't forget that. Um, he, he was injured a lot at the start. He of the was. Year, so. He's had some issues. Obviously, um, you know, involved in the Oregon project. You know, that couldn't have been easy no. um, for him to deal with. Maybe deservedly so. He had to deal with that, of course. Um, but that that whole Oregon project investigation room um, sort of deal happened at Doha mm. and no matter what he said in press that definitely had an effect on him yeah. I'd never spoke to him about this um, but I'm sure it would have yeah. as it did for a lot of the other athletes um, that are involved in that sort of entity um, but so yeah it, it was disappointing to not see him run to his potential but um, you know if he has a consistent winter under his belt which is the key thing for him because he really does have problems of injury knocking on wood um, you know he has a good winter on his belt um, I'm not sure his coaching situation I think he's working on that right now um, he was well he was training with that group with Woody and, and yeah guys. you're right sorry yeah Schumacher he, right. he was he was previously involved in um, with Salazar um, so yeah. yeah you're right he's there's obviously no issues training with uh, continuing training with Schumacher sorry that was my mistake um, so yeah he just needs no interruptions yeah. and if he does have an interruption which is completely normal that it doesn't go on and on and on which yeah. they have in the past yeah. um, and if he does again he's one of the favourites because he, he apart from a few hiccups his, uh, his championship record is, is speaks for itself yeah. you know, they're just straight up medals or, or fourth place at Olympics which is you know, almost a medal so um, definitely not ruling him out and I really hope that he can uh, defend you know defending champion that's, yeah. that's a big deal and um, 
not many people have defended a 1500 Olympic champion Sepp Coe was obviously the last one mm-hmm. um, so <clears throat> let's see it's going to be hard to beat um, Kenyan Chariot 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 is he dominated he's dominated he, he was he, he ran away from the Doha field almost in a way that everyone else expected it and was completely okay with it they're like this guy is another level yeah. so you go and get your gold and I reckon I can have a scrap for, for the bronze and silver yeah. and it was kind of disappointing to see that from the field that it's like come on guys like you still got to yeah gotta... I mean the pace was 329 pace 320, 330 pace now a lot of guys in that field had fun that yeah pace. I think it was almost like why wouldn't you have a go had, with he him? had his Kenyan teammates sort of help take out the pace but I think what happened was the, the whoever was third at the time behind Chariot was like no, no, I, I, I don't necessarily don't mind going with this pace, but I definitely don't want to be on chariot. I want to have a few guys who I think that I can come past in a hundred. Yeah. And he kind of put on the brakes, and then everyone's like, "I also don't want to be that guy. You be that guy. I don't want to be that guy." Isn't it funny Next how minute, one chariot, person split decision yeah, was chariot's like, gone, and you're not coming yeah. back. You're just not. He's 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 class, and yeah. um, you know, a guy that can can run three. It's easy for me. That it's it's easy for me in the as an armchair critic to have a go. Of course, I'm fully aware of that. So of anyone course. listening, going, you're a clown. I'm aware that that's a stupid thing to say. No, but saying that, but saying that, they went out in one. He went out in one fifty one, one fifty two, which is three twenty nine, three twenty three thirty pace. A lot of guys had run that, but really. in a championship, it is unheard of. Yeah. And and they, they everyone would have probably been hoping that he was going to do an El Garouge type tactic of, yeah. of a strong fifty hundred runner taking up with yeah. sort of eight hundred to go. So. It would have probably been a little alarming for a lot of guys. Panic set in. You know, everyone had their t- nice tactics set in their head and they've just gone out at a pretty quick pace. And Don't someone's worry. panicked. Everyone, a few others have panicked and he's gone. And it doesn't happen often. It, these these sort of, when you see a runaway like that, it, it is quite rare. Um, but it does happen. Yeah. And, and um, it, you know, it wasn't any old guy who, who had an advantage coming to last lap. It was the favourite. And... Yeah. Um, he will be the favourite in, um, in, in 2020. Not yeah. my favourite, but I, 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 yeah. um, I think everyone knows exactly how he will plan on running that race yeah. um, from, from now on in. So 1500 is a long way to front run. Mm-hmm. It really is like, you know, not even El Garouge and those sort of guys wanted to do it. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I feel like 800, you can do it. You can do it. So if you're dominant, but 1500, Radisha proved that a fair few times. He did, and he was a class apart. And Sherrod is good, but he's—I don't think he's a class class apart. I think I think uh-huh. um, Jakob is closing the gap every year. Yeah. And I think if I think if Chariot wants to go and run 3:29 in Tokyo, Jakob be like, "Great, yeah. you can tow me all the way around, mate, and I reckon I can come past you in the last hundred. Yeah, and why right. shouldn't he? If if he gets a, a nice draft for for three three minutes, yeah. you know, so. The last event we'll touch on quickly before we want to round up this episode with a story about your dad, an absolute classic one. Oh, the... The, the IAAF Rylers. Let's just hold that one for a second. 800. 800. We can't... We've got to... Brazier. We've got to touch. Brazier's way class. It's just, hard to uh, see. It's hard to look past him. That, that guy is built for the 800 and, and the way... Championship he, record. I mean, hats unstoppable yeah. at Doha. Well, I mean... Favourite for next year. Yeah, it has sure. to be clear favourite. Um, let's not rule out Nigel Amos, you yeah. know, another guy. What happened to him at Doha? No one really knows. He did, did he start? I think, I, I'm, I don't want to say what happened. He was definitely there. Yeah. And then I don't know what happened. And he's, and he's, de- he's done this before where he's kind of just randomly, 
not appeared or yeah. I don't know. I think he just ran incredibly poorly in either the heat or the semi. I got told by someone who didn't even turn up, but I don't know. Obviously injured or... Yeah, something happened, but he wasn't there. He wasn't there. But the I guess where we're, that's kind of relevant because the point is, he ha- I mean, he ran 141. He ran 141. He did. At Zurich. One of the Diamond Leagues. Yeah. And that was the... So even though Brazier broke the championship record, Not the American... Yeah. American record? Yeah, Johnny Gray's yep. American record. He didn't run the fastest time in no, the world. No, he didn't. This year. No, he didn't. Because and second Amos time, ran second time Amos has run one forty one. He, yep. he obviously ran it behind Radisha in, in Olympic final in so, London. So Brazier being the favourite, you'd have to say <laughs> Amos yeah, is a big danger man. Amos is a big danger man. Like Centrowitz, if if he gets his act together and, and doesn't have yeah. any interruptions in preparation, you, you cannot rule him out. Yeah. You know those. Stumpy arms going left and right down the he's last hundred. Funny technique. He's got, that, he's got a terrible technique, but it works. So yeah, keep doing it, mate. Um, those two are, are the standouts. You got a lot of um, a lot of guys, sort of uh, like Kashok um, guys like that, who, yeah, who really who really want to scream in the last hundred and try and steal a medal. But I think those two are going to be far enough ahead that. Um, that there's going to be a separate race for, yeah. the, for the minor medals. Yeah. Awesome. So this week there was a, a, a an event at Monaco, IAAF event. Saw that. This is and absolutely I, I, classic. I tell you, I tell you how. For those I saw that don't that. know Steve, man, this story just just perfectly illustrates his character. I am. Um, I've, I've I've been <laughs> hounded by. Um, been hounded. Obviously, my dad doesn't have Facebook. And I've been hounded by this group on Facebook called um, The Story of Steve Ovet. Yeah, good page. It is it, man. You showed me it today. It's fun. It's good. So I ignored it for a long time. <laughs> and, and the guy was persistent. And he was like, you're the only Ovet that is willing to like show interaction on Facebook. Like, just please like my page. And he, he would like message every other day yeah. over a couple of years. And I'm like, far out, like. You know, I, I don't want to be a fanboy of my old man. Like, just, you know. Anyways, I looked at it one day, and I actually sort of, like, went through, and he had some really cool, like, vintage pics of, of, of Dad and, and his coach and, and him training. And just, I, I'm a I'm a, quite a big fan of vintage sort of, yeah. um, I don't know. You can see on your, on your Instagram. I am, yeah. I just like, yeah. uh, in cycling and um, athletics, yeah. I just like how they how they looked in the 80s yeah. and 70s and those clothes and I just thought I just think it's super cool so when I see a picture of dad training or something or Seb training or Steve Cram or even El Garouge like with these old Nike you know yeah. get ups I'm like oh that's cool I like that yeah, so, I, so I, I followed the page and then uh, to, to the guys probably um, happy you know surprised he was, he was, oh, yeah, probably yeah. surprised and probably also doesn't really care um, and on this page I saw the other day that um that he posted that there was a, a I guess a, an event in Monaco that the IAAF must have put together a celebration of historic milers all, all the recent um, guys who have broken the, the mile world record and obviously dad dad broke um, the, the mile world record in, in his time um, a couple of times I think yeah it was more than once yeah um, <clears throat> so they got together all the living um, remnants of, 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 of athletes who have broken the mile world record and I was, I was like, oh, that's cool. That involves some big names. Big names. Like, if you're a fan of athletics, you, you know, obviously your current Hikamel Garouge, um, you know, Seb Coe, Steve Cram. Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker, um, Nerdy Morsley, 
Yeah. Um, not a huge fan of him, but yeah, he was there. Um, who who else was there? Well, there wouldn't have been all that many because El- Elgin Bruce has held it for so long. Yeah, you know, you, you're talking about you he's know, held it since the before 2000. Or... I think Jim Ryan. Jim Ryan was there. Oh, yeah. I think he was probably maybe the one of the oldest guys there. I don't think um, any more sort of yeah. were around. I'm not sure. I can't remember the guy before Jim Ryan. Your your listener, some one of your listeners will be like screaming the name of it. Um, the one before Jim Ryan. Anyways. So there was about 15, 12 of them, 10, 12 of yeah. them there, maybe. Yeah. And, and you just recognize all of them because yeah. you grow up watching these guys. Yeah. You're like, that's cool. And I was, and they had them in order. You were looking for you. <laughs> you were looking for you. They dad. had them in order of when it got broken. Yeah. And, I wasn't, and the funny thing, I wasn't <laughs> looking for, for dad. I, I, was, so. I was just appreciating okay. the image and, and like seeing them all together in there, sort of all, they're all kind of, some of them in shape, some of them are out of shape, some of them are bald. Some, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's like funny seeing it. You yeah. Know? yeah. And then, then it's like it, uh, they were going through the names and the times, and it's kind of there was a gap between John Walker and uh, Seb. Yeah, and I was care. like, "Huh, like what's that? Like why is there why they left a gap?" And then I just I kept on looking, you know, went all the way to El Garouge and you know had a look how what sort of shape he was in and all this sort of thing. And then at the bottom of the ex, the photo and the explanation, it was like like asterisks. Um, Steve Ovet not present um, you know mile world record 1981 and uh, I don't know I think 79 or something or 80 maybe um, and next to it it was like uh, Steve Ovet declined to, <laughs> to attend uh, this this uh, incredibly like prestigious, prestigious event, event. Yeah. and I was like so you got on the blower uh, you, you, you said what's the go well, I, I actually it's, the phone went off like 10 minutes later and it was the old man and we speak every day we just do you know we just, just talk about anything and everything um, and I, I try not to mention things like this because the, usually the, res, the, the response is very short and just like why are we talking why are we wasting our time talking about something like this and it's just, just the way it is and I, I mentioned to him and I thought I was like I was like, yeah, Dad, I saw there was like a ceremony of all the milers, you know, the IWF they put together. And he was like, yeah. he was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, everyone was there. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, everyone was there. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, and you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah. Like, do you expect anything like less? And I was like, yeah, but you could have like, been smart about it and just got a free trip because you know I live in Spain like in Girona which is like Girona's like a drive away dude it's, it's close from there it's, it's like it's, a, the it's French, like a five hour drive I ride to the French border on my bike that's a short it's, flight it's not far and, and you know I was like I was like why didn't you come visit me at least and like just like pretend that you were happy to be there shook some hands you know and smile for the camera you know let the ceremonial light shine on your bald head and you know be done with it and he was like yeah, got to look after the dogs though. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, and that, that was what an excuse. <laughs> got to look after the dogs, mate. I've heard that excuse many a time from him, and there's just no the importance of the dogs. The dogs are more important high. than the Milers' prestigious IWF <laughs> event. Yeah, for him, and that is. would have been a business class paid for ticket. You could have just dropped in and seen your son for a bit. No, the dogs. <laughs> there's, there's just nowhere the dogs can find a home, man. They, they have to be looked after. But yeah, it was a funny. Uh, it was a funny episode. That, um, that is so funny. That summed up his his in, important 
important things in life which um, to some a lot of people including all those guys probably couldn't quite understand but for me I understand and I, I like that and, and you know yeah. he, he knows uh, he knows what he's at he knows what he did and he doesn't really need to go to a a glamorous champagne clingy sort of um, yeah. event to, to be reminded um, when, when he's you know how good he was yeah so yeah it was quite funny yeah um, but yeah cool everyone um Everyone hit up that guy. Actually, let's give some support for our for our Steve Ovet. <laughs> he might get a big <laughs> the flood story. Of the story of Steve Ovet. Go and hit him up. He'll get the, a flood of new mates. Lights. I've go, got to give happened? it to him. The guy. It's good. It's, the, it's the got guy some good is hourly, or not hourly, but daily. He's got content. He's dedicated. Yeah. He's he's dedicated a, a large percentage of I'm, his I'm life. I'm not sure to what, your dad. What and if he has a <laughs> wife, but maybe he should like give her a little bit more attention and, 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 and sort of step away from the Steve Ovet shrine every now and then. Um, but yeah, I, I finally gave in and actually gave the guy a follow. I feel quite bad. About I, it, I, so. I, I followed it so too. Yeah, and, and as you said, good it's, on um, Love it. It's there's some cool stuff on there. There is, and if anyone loves the vintage sort of, the guy clearly just digs deep. He he he, he goes through books. He goes mm. through deep web man it's hard to find that stuff yeah. you know and I, I've obviously like in, in you know garages back home you know come across some pretty cool pictures of, of dad and, and you know like some of his races and training and um, yeah. you know so for me to not see a lot of the stuff that he posts like it, that is a true like OG fan of yeah. athletics yeah. so um, shout out to that guy yeah. I, I rate it cool well that pretty much wraps up this podcast episode that was a good chat thanks for thanks for joining again and hope everyone enjoyed the the listen and I reckon we'll be back with more more chat with Freddie at some point very soon I've got a feeling yeah no it's, it's been a pleasure and uh, looking forward to a big 2020 but first and foremost Valencia yeah for the for the big Matty Fox yeah along uh, Chogi and Chapter Guy I'll try and get within t- I'll try and get within 25 minutes of <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'll be actually still a decent performance so yeah Cool. Yeah. See you soon. Thanks for listening.